What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and I'm faking enthusiasm at 145 in the morning to bring you a recap of the two Monday night football games. That's right. CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast recaps all the primetime games when they happen. It just so happens that in week one, every single year, they jam two Monday night games in there. It's exciting because it's week one. It seems like a great idea. It's a lot of fun when you're not married with kids. And then later on in life, it becomes pretty annoying because you're up at 145 podcasting with John Breach and Ryan Wilson. Uh, well, I mean, when we started doing this, like, I think the first time they ever did a two Monday night game, we were at Fan House and like live blog, both of them, Ryan. And now it's like, like, are you kidding me? Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the po- I love doing this podcast. And we have fun I, with it, but it's like, it's, it's in so late and the late game always sucks. I used to make the schedule back in the day and uh, you would always forget there was a 10 PM game on Monday sure. night, week one. And I would ask you sort of vaguely if you could work and then you would find out <laughs> at nine 30 <laughs> after the first game that you were working the late game and you would always get so angry. You're too, you too scatterbrained to remember. So uh, that was the, the fun part for me, but yeah, yeah. Hey, it's football. It's back. We're playing. So, uh, yeah. Let me to be clear, Breach. I would take any football like that. That's a game. The Titans and Broncos game, which we'll talk about. And then we'll talk about the uh, Steelers and Giants game. And then fun uh, little quick interview. We're going to talk to Chris and Kyle Long. Kyle is our coworker now at CBSN. And uh, Chris, friend of the pod, has been on before. They, we did, I did a Zoom with them earlier. It's like a, a seven or eight minute interview. And uh, as you can see the background, we actually talked about the Miller cantenna that's it that's an hd antenna attached to a beer can a miller light beer can can you believe it wait did you buy that or are you macgyver over there and you no, miller Lite's making these you can buy them look it has like a little cord. okay i knew there was no way you had the wherewithal no, to make like a, little a beer can into an hd antenna it's an antenna that is like a, it's shaped like a, a football goal you know who does actual want miller light beer can and then it has a little plug that goes in here and as I told Chris and Kyle, I tried to convince my wife to put it next, aka to put it next to our food dogs on our mantle, and she told me to get effed. Uh, I will say this: I'm sure that thing works really well. That HD antenna shaped like a goalpost. It does actually. It does not work in Stephen Gostkowski's house. I've heard. <laughs> it does not. Uh, Stephen Gostkowski cannot find the center of those. Uh, so let's talk about that Titans Broncos game. Tough for tough tough for uh, uh, hashtag brand, breach brand. Because you don't, what you don't want is a kicker from Nashville who plays for the Titans, doinking and stoinking and boinking and whatever else you might call his, his kicks. He missed three straight field goals in Denver breach and topped it off with an extra point before coming back to make the game-winning field goal as the Titans topple the Broncos 16-14, which, by the way, I believe the exact same score as last year's Home opener for the Broncos, a crippling loss to the Bears, 16-14. Here, before Breach talks, can you just preemptively? Don't go me for the Broncos. I'm, off, I'm out of the Broncos. No, no. I want you to preemptively play the Kevin Harlan field goal sound because that oh, yeah. feels fitting as ever. Okay, so this is not – I don't know. Uh, this is not – I think I have it. This is not uh, Goskowski missing him, but it's just, you know. Is that uh, – it's the one who's down this. Oh, he missed! He missed. Oh, and he may have pulled a hamstring <laughs> or a muscle, and there is complete. <laughs> so, how did I, I how did Goskowski not grab his leg at some point? I, that's a good point. I would say on Monday, I probably did 
four or five radio interviews, you know, talking about week one of the NFL season. And uh, most of the folks I did it with, like Adam Gold um, or Darren Smith in San Diego, they actually listen to the podcast. And they're like, okay, so it says 120 minutes. Can you sort of walk us through what you talked about? I was like, well, actually, 20 of it is just me playing this Kevin Harlan call of, <laughs> of uh, Randy Bullock missing the game, missing the game with a dying field goal for the Bengals. At any rate, Breach, Stephen Gakowski was terrible. Eventually came back and hit the game winner. Uh, do you want to defend a, a kicker here? What, what, you know, and uh, do you have any anticipation that Steven Guskowski will uh, be in the Hall of Fame one day? Yeah, they kept mentioning that. Here, let me just say the, the craziest part to put this whole entire night in perspective is Steven Guskowski went into this game is the fifth most accurate kicker in NFL history. And he was so bad by the time the game was over, he had fallen down to be the eighth most accurate mm. kicker in NFL history. He's been playing for 14 years and to fall three spots in one game is absolutely insane. And this game was so long. I actually forgot there was a first game when we jumped on this podcast for a second. I was like, we talk about Titans Broncos. What else went on? And you know, we Steelers giants too. Um, but here, this was, if you're the Titans, look, you had the worst kicker, literally the worst kicking experience the NFL had seen in 30 years last year. I think they went 8 of 18. It was the first team since 1985 or 86 to make less than 50% of their field goals in a season. You just don't see that anymore. So you know Mike Vrabel. He's like, oh, we got Steven Goskowski. All my problems are solved. So what happens? Goskowski walks out there for his first field goal attempt. It came in the first quarter. Boom. He misses. Eh, you know what? He hasn't kicked in a year. He signed late in the offseason. Didn't get a ton of training camp. You don't think anything of it. It was from 47 yards. It's not a gimme. All right. So you sent him out for a second field goal. This time, it's just before halftime. Uh, you're thinking, you know what? We'll take a 10-7 lead and a half. We're good. Boom. Ball gets tipped. He misses again. Now, if you're Vrabel, you're like crap in your pants. You're, what is going on here? What's what's with me and kickers? I don't know what I'm doing. And then we get to the second half, and Goskowski misses another field goal. He's trending on Twitter. Uh, people are thinking that, you know, Princeton, you're booking him tickets from Denver to Mars. Uh, things were just completely <laughs> out of hand. And then Goskowski misses an extra point. And at this point, he is walking over the sideline. He takes off his shoe, and he's looking at it like <laughs> it's his shoe's fault. Like he, I didn't know what was going. I didn't know if he was going to start kicking barefoot. Broncos used to have a kicker who kicked barefoot, Rich Carlos. Uh, Goskowski was playing mind games with himself. And so here's what I would ask you guys, since you aren't the kicking gurus, but you surely can answer this question. On the Titans' final drive, they are trailing 14 to 13. They take over with 305 left. You're Mike Vrabel in your head. How close are you thinking you have to get to even think about attempting a field goal? In um, the end zone. End zone, and then you go for the two point conversion. Absolutely. And then you send, uh, you know, one shoot Goskowski on his way. Well, it, but it was so bad. That and I, I didn't hear him answer the question, but I'm going to assume that he did acknowledge this. Uh, Vic Fangio, the Broncos head coach, didn't call any timeouts as Rabel and the Titans were going to the end zone. It was very, I mean, I, I joked that it was like a galaxy brain move, but I think he was doing it. He was trying, he was like, Look, if you guys want to play for a field goal, I'm gonna let that dude kick that field goal all day because I don't think he's gonna be able to put it through the uprights. Like, he might, like, his, like, he might slip on the way to the ball. He's gonna be panicked. I mean, it was, it's tremendous. 
like a tremendous response by Goskowski to step up and bury that that thing. Because if if you're in that spot, and that that's a good question, Diva asked him Slack. She tried to ice him. Why would you not? Why would you not bang a timeout there, Fangio? I didn't think about that. Great call, Debo. What is according, he thinking? According to what Lindsey Jones, according to Lindsey Jones, Fangio didn't use his timeouts because he said he didn't want to extend their drive, and that the running back went out of bounds. So that's before the not the. But he not, was trying. But see, he's trying to get them to play for a field goal and hope they would miss. Yeah, but I do like that's that. that's bad. I mean, look, it, it's it's bad. bad on a number of levels, and I like Debo's question as well. But I mean, because you you left Drew Lock with thirty seconds, maybe less than that, fifteen seconds or something. Not gonna win seventeen, seventeen seconds. Yeah, come on. You gave Drew Lock seventeen seconds after the squib kick wasn't touched. Good job by them, and terrible squib kick to try and get in in Brandon McManus' field goal range. I mean, that's it's it's bad coaching. I think that um, I thought they had bad coaching. I, that wasn't their only clock management issue. They were up 14 to 13. They got the ball with 406 left in the game, right? You the ball 406. What you want to do is try to move, but also maybe try and run out some clock. They only ran off 51 seconds. The Titans didn't have to use a single timeout, and they got the ball back with 305 left with all their timeouts. And I do understand that, hey, look, we want Goskowski. Goskowski out there kicking the field goal. That's why they didn't use the timeout, but you do get to a point where you have to say, all right, if they get inside this yard line, he's an NFL kicker. Even if he's missed three, if they're inside 35 yards, he's probably going to make it. Unless, he's a unless he's fame, Randy Bullock. Hall of Fame kicker. Yes. He said and he's also broadcast. Steven Goskowski, by the way, will never, ever, 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 ever be in the Hall of Fame. There are four kickers in the Hall of Fame currently. Justin Tucker will probably be five one day, maybe. Breach and I have hung out with one of them, Orton Anderson. Shout out to our guy. Uh, after his induction, he didn't like us talking to him. Vinatieri will get in. Vinatieri will get in. So, be, yeah, right. But Gaskowski has no chance of getting the Hall of Fame. Anyway. Not now. <laughs> that's right. You can't. You have to know if you're Vic Fangio that it is paramount to leave as much time as possible to try and go back the other way and score. I don't, this is what frustrates me to, to no end. Like why you had all this time uh, in, in COVID times to think about this stuff, to get all the stats nerds together. I don't know why you, I, I mean, I, we read the, the quote from Lindsay Jones, but I mean, that does not make any sense. Hey, Breach, let me ask you quickly. We know that hip surgery was something that Stephen Guskowski had in the off season. Was it, if you're going to blame it on something, is it partly that? Is it that plus the mental? Is it uh, some combination, one thing or the other? I think it's completely the hip surgery. I think that's why the Patriots got rid of him. I think that's why he was out uh, as a free agent so long is because your hips are, that's a key part of kicking. And so he was waiting probably till he was absolutely sure that he was a hundred percent healed before he felt comfortable even trying out with the team. Uh, and he bought a house in Nashville in early July. So I think he felt that if he was going to kick this year, it was probably going to be with the Titans. And then remember, he didn't sign until a little bit later. So it's not like he hadn't kicked in a while because he'd been rehabbing all offseason. He's probably only got three weeks of kicking under his belt and, you know, coming off a big offseason operation, offseason recovery like he did. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a legitimate excuse. But uh, and since the Titans won, it doesn't matter now as long as he gets his act together. I do not think he will be released. Uh, if the Titans would have lost, you know, like so, maybe he gets he cut. The last one, he's gone. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. If he misses the last one, but it, it, is there, yeah, is absolutely. there anybody out there on the market that they could actually replace him with? Well, just, I, so the Titans had eight field goals last year. Eight the field goals. The Browns, just cut, the Browns just cut Austin Siebert and signed Cody Parkey. So that's how bad things are out there. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't think you can just go out and grab like a random. I mean, that, that's what the Titans. Like, it could have cost them a trip to the playoffs last year. They're field. Who's, your, who's your number one available kicking free agent, John? Austin Seibert. Oh, there you go. Who's, <laughs> who's your number who's, two? Yeah, who's number two? Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're probably calling up like Adam Vinatieri. Oh, uh, wow, that's a steep drop off. If if you don't mind the DUI charge, you call up Aldrick Roses. He had a, a good year with the Giants in, I think, 2018 and struggled in 2019. Um, so well, I, you mentioned the DUI. I don't know the specifics of it or how serious it was, but it's obviously not great. But Isaiah Wilson, their first-round pick, mm. also had a DUI. Yeah, and he wasn't out there on the field. Clearly, the run game wasn't as good as you thought. It felt like they were going to bust through late with Derrick Henry. Uh, and by the way, Derrick Henry, not one of the top fantasy pro- performers in this game. Ryan Tannehill, 22 points, Drew Locke, 14, Noah Fant, 14. The Broncos actually covered plus three. But it, this is the this is one of the few games this week where uh, CLV, closing line value, mattered. Because it opened as Broncos minus one or minus two. If you bet the Titans plus the points, you clearly won. If you came back and got the Broncos plus three, you also won. So not great for Vegas in that particular regard because you could have hit uh, both of those, if you were fortunate enough to do it, the under 41 and a half obviously hit. This game was whew, never had a chance of going over, although mm-hmm. you know the Broncos did have a possession on fourth and one on the goal. They went for it. They didn't get it. They kept running at Jeffrey Simmons for whatever reason. Stop doing that. That dude is a man child on the interior. And he had some off field issues at Mississippi State, which, but that's uh, like, before that high school. He had some off-field issues in high school. Sorry. He, he's been, by all accounts, model since. At, sorry, excuse me. My apologies to Jeffrey Simmons, who he fell on the draft because he tore his ACL. That's in, right. In, in February. Process, like in like February. February. Yeah. And they still drafted him in the 20s. He played as a rookie. He is a grown man. I mean, he, he took uh, Melvin Gordon. Or was it Philip Lindsay? He took one of them and like, picked him up and scoop slammed him. That was Philip, yeah. Yeah. And then maybe why Philip got hurt. Um, Drew Locke, Ryan Tannehill. I don't know that you came away from this. I think you came away from this game going, all right, I kind of like what Drew Locke's got, but I don't know that they have the upside to make a deep playoff run or anything. And I think you also maybe came away going, eh, don't think Ryan Tannehill's going to be the most efficient quarterback in football. Either of those things work out for you, Ryan. I think Drew Locke is the guy – after watching five games last season, this is what you wanted to see if you were squinting. Now, if you had your eyes completely open, you're like, okay, some of this stuff doesn't look great. Uh, he overthrew some deep balls that could have been touchdowns. Jerry Judy dropped a couple passes. Uh, but I like what I see. He's wearing out Noah Fant, and I think that's the way you want to go as a young uh, quarterback, have someone you can rely on. And Noah Fant looks a 100% better than he did last year, which is understandable. He's in year two now. Melvin Gordon had that stupid fumble early on, but he, he put up some – some yards to score a touchdown late. Uh, I think there's a lot to like. I, I'm sort of upset that uh, their right tackle opted out. Um, upset for the state of the, the, the offensive line because the, the right tackle struggled. And obviously, Von Miller getting hurt because I think this football team could be completely different. Uh, that said, you can make an argument for the Broncos won, should, should have won that game. But also, you could just say, well, Guskowski missed 15 field goals, so the Titans should have won. Yeah, but I'm going to say B. Yeah, week one – expectations in terms of everyone not being completely, uh, you know, teams being rusty, but I think Tannehill flashed at times. And I think Drew Locke looked good, but I'm still not all in on Drew Locke being the the savior we're sort of hoping for. Yeah, I do. I absolutely agree with that. I think that 
if I'm the Broncos, like you kind of said, you everybody was optimistic after the way he finished the 2019 season. He went four and one. So in that sense, you saw a quarterback who didn't regress. He looked decent in this game. But on the Broncos, I probably would have wanted him to play a little bit better. You mentioned the overthrows, but he was also going up against a pretty decimated Titan secondary. They had Dory Jackson was on injured reserve. Jonathan Joseph got injured in the game and he was knocked out. Rashawn Evans got ejected uh, from the game for punching Jake Butt. Not for punching a butt, but for punching Jake Butt. He punched Jake Butt in the butt. <laughs> yeah, so he got ejected. So you're you're the Titans. You're down three guys in your secondary, and Drew Locke couldn't take advantage of that. So I, I think and that breach, by the way, they had two rookies playing cornerback. One was a an undrafted free agent. Right. So in that sense, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Drew Locke. And then you look at another addition, Melvin Gordon, 15 carries, 78 yards, which is really good. But he also had uh, a huge gaffe because he lost a fumble in the first half in Broncos territory. And that led to uh, a Titans, I think, scoring drive. They scored a touchdown from 23 yards out. So they they only got 23 yards. Yeah, they did not kick a field goal. Uh, It did not end with a Goskowski miss. So that was a huge kind of turn of events right there because the Broncos were up seven to nothing. uh, And all of a sudden it's a tie game because of Melvin Gordon's fumble. So there's definitely some concerning things. I'm not sure, you know, Drew Locke against the Steelers next week. I would be a little bit worried about that if I'm a Broncos fan because he didn't do more against Tennessee, but he wasn't bad by any means at all. And he got, like you said, he got burned by two Jerry Judy drops. Yeah. Yeah, there were, there were, the play calling, I don't think, for the Broncos was fantastic. I thought, I thought, I mean, I just think Locke can spin it. I, I just have concerns about if they're playing, if they're, like, if they're playing elite defense like the Steelers, he's probably in trouble. But I mean, here's I, the thing: I, he is, he is fun to watch when he gets out of the pocket and just rips one. But you don't need to be running out of the pocket when there's no reason to leave the pocket and then just make a stupid throw. And I don't and, think the Broncos are locked in. Yeah, sorry, nice. No pun intended, but like, I really no pun intended. I don't think the Broncos are like locked in. To their quarterback in the future. I do, however, think that you're. Wait, what does that mean? I mean, he's a second round pick in his second year with six starts. He's not. Listen, man, uh, John Elway, by the way, whoever does the graphics, I love you at ESPN. The Big Ben graphic was insane. The John Elway graphic was even crazier. Uh, Elway looked like, uh, who was it? Somebody was like, Elway looks like Big Tom Callahan. But uh, Elway has to hit on this quarterback. He's 0 for 12. So I think he's sort of all in on Drew Locke at least for a couple months. Uh, Ryan Tannehill threw 43 passes. That ain't going to work. Well, I mean, Ryan Tannehill threw 43 passes. The Titans are probably in trouble. Jake, uh, Jack Conklin's gone. Isaiah Wilson didn't play because he got in trouble. So you you talked about the offensive line not being what we're used to seeing. They should have blown them out of the water. The Broncos defense isn't bad. Von Miller being not being there is terrible. In but. the second and third and fourth quarters, because there's back to back to back drives. The Bronco the Titans had a 12 play 73 yard drive, a 14 play 40 yard drive, which is weird, with 15 penalty yards, and a 15 play 67 yard drive. They came away with uh, six points on those three drives, even though they got into scoring range, obviously, on all three drives, two missed field goals and a touchdown. If they I mean you run that many plays with Derrick Henry in on your in your in your backfield, and you should be smashing somebody. That game shouldn't have been that close. Yeah, but again, it's week one. I, I'm willing to cut both teams some slack. What I'm not willing to cut slack on is the the time management into that game. 
that there's no warm up to that. You you should know how to do it from Jump Street. Uh, I would say Noah Fant five catches, eighty one yards, one touchdown, like in the first quarter, basically. Yeah. And then they didn't go back to him at all. Dude was making plays. What are you it doing? Was, it was it was nice to see because last year you could see him struggling. Yeah, but he like, struggled early on, but then he flashed late. And just like Sunday with Detroit Hawkinson, you can feel it's gonna this is gonna be a big year for him too. Sure. Both those guys could end up being awesome. Locke completed twenty two or thirty three passes, two hundred sixteen yards and one touchdown, ninety five quarterback rating. Melvin Gordon, 15 carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Philip Lindsay injured, did not return. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these running back situations, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, with um, – I'm blanking on the other one. Oh, uh, Indianapolis with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor could step in. But this could be a situation where if you faded Melvin Gordon in fantasy, you're probably kind of hosed. Ryan Tannehill, for those wondering about the prop bets, Ryan Tannehill, 14 rushing yards. Cash it maybe by half or just missed by half, depending on what you got. Uh, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys, terrible calls by me. Locks of the year, I said, uh, before the game with uh, uh, Sully, and those did not hit. But Jerry Judy, easy over, uh, should have been way more. Judy's a nice little buy low, uh, maybe even in season longs because he was targeted eight times and just two horrific drops by Judy. And Derrick Henry got 31 carries, 116 yards. I thought the Broncos' defense played pretty well. The Broncos, if they hadn't lost Von Miller, and then they lost A.J. Bouye, and Bradley Chubb was coming back from injury, like they, they'd have a chance to be a really good defense. And I just think they – Sutton didn't play on the other side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, Cortland Sutton hurt them. They'd probably win this game if they have Cortland Sutton and Von They Miller. should have won the game anyway. They had a chance to win the game. You had a field goal kicker that literally forgot how to kick field goals. I don't Which know. is a problem. And I, you know what? I don't know that they do win the game. I think if ever, if everybody has everyone, the final score of this game is probably like thirty to twenty-seven instead of sixteen to fourteen. Because it's like the Titans are moving up and down the field. It's just you know Stephen Guskowski doing things that kickers shouldn't do. And here, here's a great quote on why he removed his shoe. He said, "Quote: I would have taken my pants off to make that last kick, but luckily Ryan, he did not have to take his pants off to make that last kick." By the way, if Rabel was asked about uh, Guskowski making, like giving him the shot at the final kick, he said, I just kind of know. It's like it's been red 10 times over let, so I'm going to bet black this time. Doesn't work that way. So, huh? Unless you're west of Snipes. That's called the gambler's fallacy. Like, you're like, like it's like, oh, it's the, the coin toss has come up heads 12 times in a row. It's definitely going to be tails next time. No. Mike Rabel seems like the type of guy when you explain to him what the gambler's, gambler's fallacy is, he just tells you to shut up and punches you in the face. Vrabel <laughs> Vrabel might be number one on coach I want to have a beer with number one for me is Bill Belichick because he won't talk and I, I will be quite happy to sit there silently and enjoy my beer number okay. one for me is Sean McVeigh he's not old enough to drink so I would get two beers <laughs> I should change it Sean Payton's number one on my list Vrabel's oh two. what he had COVID did you know that you have to worry about getting it but no, you do he doesn't <laughs> Brinson you just got dunked on by Dr. Breach <laughs> <laughs> but you have to worry about getting it from him so you can have a beer with him. Um, there's 26 giant 16, a game that was, uh, I guess closer than the score indicates the Steelers covered the six. They covered the second half spread, the under hit these Monday night game, these unders, man. Just I will say this. I am very impressed that the worst place, the, the, the team predicted to finish last in the AFC North somehow eked out a victory against the mighty giants. That's funny sarcasm, but you were sweating this game. Bad. Big Ben looked like crap early on. 
for he looked like crap for a quarter and a half, and then and he faked an injury and he got better all of a sudden. Yeah, so. yeah, it felt like it felt like twenty eleven. Everything was back to normal. Uh, ben was the top fantasy quarterback, twenty seven points. Darius Slayton had a great day, twenty two points. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, twenty one. Juju Smith Schuster, two touchdown catches, eighteen fantasy points. Um, Do you know how many touchdowns Juju had all of last season? Three. Ooh. So apparently the quarterbacks make a difference for him. For sure. Um, so Ben was bad early on, and he got better. He wasn't great. I, I, t- I, I say that every year. I say that the Steelers are terrible in week one. I was in Stanford talking to a couple of Giants fans, Rob and, and, um, and uh, Scott, and I said, and they, they felt like the Steelers would probably win that game, but I said, you just never know. Roethlisberger had one arm last year and they always play sloppy in the very first possession for the Steelers. The ball hits Deontay Johnson in the face. Bad game for Deontay Johnson, but they kept coming back to him. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, second years, it's annoying to watch, but why do you start sluggishly and, and Bill Belichick teams never start slow? That's my <laughs> question. Um, so you're not concerned at all about the Steelers offense. No, I think Roethlisberger is exactly who he, we thought he was. It just a matter of, it, he was going to throw picks. But I, I was saying, sort of joking before Breach came on while he's finished up his writing duties, of all the old-timers who were washed up, Roethlisberger, Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, I think Roethlisberger had the best the best day. The best defense. And stats-wise, in terms of the way he played. Big Ben finished 21-32 for 229 yards and three touchdowns. Yes, the best stats. And, and I didn't, he, didn't, he didn't play that well. Compared to those old-timers? That defense is dog, dude. They stink. Those guys were running wide open. What they is still Phil, got pressure on him. What is Philip Rivers' excuse? Uh, the Jaguars. I'm sorry, your mic went out. I didn't hear you say it. <laughs> uh, Chew it up, Kevin. <laughs> oh, uh, Benny Snell, 19 carries, 113 yards. Does James Conner, who's injured, have a job when he comes back from the injury? They said it's a mild ankle injury, but when Benny Snell came in after the first series, it's not good. Yeah, he's lost weight. He's a little fat. Last year, he just like ran as fast as he could until he got hit. Like, seen, yeah. yeah, he seemed. Yeah, so he seemed a little more patient. Um, my favorite player. Uh, you want to guess who my favorite player was on the Steelers? Uh, Chase. Yeah, Chase. I was. I. I you call him I, Chase now. Yeah, Diva knows who I was talking about, but um, I love that guy. Yeah, I call him less. Yeah, that's sort of that's mean though. If he, if he does something wrong, why? Call him more. Yeah, Les Claypool, the basis in the Tinger Primus. Oh, that. Oh, I thought I, I didn't get what your joke was there. No, but anyway, um, I, I wasn't crazy about the draft pick just because I was like, oh, there are a lot of good quarter, uh, wide receivers. Is he worth the second rounder? Um, apparently, the draft analyst doesn't know as much as the Steelers when it comes to taking wide receivers. Yeah, you don't. I mean, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, the Steelers are really good at drafting wide receivers. Um, yeah, busted. I mean, now, I mean, look, I'll say this. If Big Ben is healthy, then my last place prediction is is terrible because the Steelers have. A very- he wasn't healthy last year, and they went eight and eight, so it's still terrible. Whatever. The Steelers <laughs> have a very good defense. They are kind of loaded at the skill position. Like I don't know if Benny Snell is going to be good or not, and I do have some offensive line concerns. But Juju, Deontay, Claypool, James Washington, who also caught a touchdown, Ebron, who wasn't really much of a factor. Um, that and then I mean that's a good group of receivers and Clay, like Claypool had a crazy toe tap on the sidelines 
And he allows Juju to move more into the slot because he's a bigger outside receiver, which is where Juju thrives, which is what you want to do, which is probably why they drafted Claypool in the first place. I will say that I thought this game was a lot closer than the score indicated because obviously it was 26 to 10 at one point and it was over. It was over early, but I think it ended on the Giants first drive of the second half when they went 19 plays, 87 yards. They drive all the way down to Pittsburgh's four yard line. And then I don't even know what Daniel Jones was trying to do, but Bud Dupree was in his face. All of a sudden, he throws a pick at the goal yeah, line. Evan Ingram was open running towards the back uh, center portion of the end zone. And I think he thought he could just get it up in the air, and if he got it far enough, he would catch it. But you just can't do that. Like he would, no. like, he would have, it would have been a free touchdown if he had gotten it off. And I think that's sort of the problem with Daniel Jones. He might try too hard, which is not something you would think Daniel Jones would do, but he's – Well, Breach is talking about that drive. He had – a ton of great throws on that drive. Also, he, he had great moments all night. But that last that play, and I'll preach going to talk about this. He, he waited like a second and a half too long, and Bud Dupree just hit his arm. And the ball went up and was caught by a defensive lineman, Cam Hayward, at the goal line. So where Cam Hayward catches it, there's like five Steelers directly behind Cam Hayward. There's nowhere that ball. But if you if you watch the play, back to the right of where Hayward was, throw it earlier. I understand that. But why do you wait so long? Ingram, Ingram was clearing. I think he saw Ingram clearing, was trying to just get it back there. But you can't make the pass. You can't attempt to pass. You got to take it back or keep or run and get out of bounds and get closer to the end zone. Yeah, you absolutely have to do that. And the thing is, if the Giants score there, they're right. up 17 to 16 in the third quarter with, you know, three minutes left in the third quarter. And this is a completely different game. So, you know, they did move the ball in the Steelers defense as good as Steelers defense is, but Steelers defense obviously came up with a bunch of big plays because that's what good defenses do. So did you guys feel like this was more of a, eh, maybe the Giants are good or the Steelers just looked a little rusty because their quarterback hasn't played in years, coming off elbow surgery and the, the defense had to carry the day and they were just kind of keeping the team in the game till Roethlisberger actually could throw a pass. <laughs> I was impressed with how well the Giants played and I thought Daniel Jones looked, looked pretty good except for those moments. And I know that's the thing. And we talked about this we were texting each other along with uh, he who shall not be named, but hmm. you can make a bunch of great throws, but if you throw two insanely idiotic picks, one where, where TJ Watt hides behind the offensive tackle and jumps up like he's, he's to, so good. he scares I you. Like he's him off a defensive player of the year. He's good. He, he's, he could win it. Easily. That was, I mean, he made that look, look easy. And then the, the course, the, the arm punt to Cam Hayward, those are backbreaking mistakes, but he made a ton of good throws. Daniel Jones did. I think the biggest takeaway for me outside of the stuff we've talked about already is that um, Saquon Barkley could do absolutely nothing. I, I, um, I attribute that more to the Steelers than anything else. Now it is the giants offensive line is dog poo. And I, I already regret taking Barkley over Kamara and Zeke Elliott and Clyde Ebertzler and Joe Mixon <laughs> and Devontae Adams. Hey, Breach, how would you grade Jason Garrett's first day back as offensive coordinator? Uh, I would say it started off a little bit slowly. I was thinking, oh, my God, this is a disaster. They need to fire him right now. And then uh, it got better because that first series, they punted. The second series (laughs) was the Steelers 
muffing a punt, the Giants recovering at the three-yard line. You have to go three yards for a touchdown. They couldn't even do that. And I'm just like, Joe Judge, you got to fire Jason Garrett right now. (laughs) He's blown it. You've had two easy offensive series. They couldn't do anything. Third offensive series, they go three and out. And not only that, they went negative three yards. They went backwards. <laughs> and, and I don't like I, uh, Jason Garrett. I don't know what he was doing up to that point. And then I feel like after those first three possessions, everyone on the giant sideline kind of settled in and their offense looked a lot better for the rest of the game. So uh, maybe it was a, a thing of Garrett getting comfortable with Daniel Jones can and can't do, or, uh, you know, trying to get comfortable with what the entire offense can and can't do, but I do feel like they looked a lot better. As far as Saquon Barkley goes, it was funny because I think we had, I sent you guys one of the quotes from TJ Watt and he said, we just wanted to smash the run first and foremost. And it seemed like it was just whoever got there first. So it sounds like the whole entire game plan was let's box in, stop Saquon. And if Daniel Jones beats Daniel Jones, beats us, he beats us, uh, which kind of then makes you view Daniel Jones performance in a slightly different lens. Well, that's the thing. So when you play a Jason Garrett run team with a superstar running back, you know what he's going to do? He's going to pound, try to pound the ball at the running back. 15 carries for six yards for Saquon Barkley. That is awful. They should have utilized him like, like get up tempo, spread it out, get quick hitters, do some crossers across the middle, like, like get the Steelers out of, out, of, out of place defensively, and they didn't do that. They sort of tried to lean into who they want to be, and they don't have the personnel for it, primarily because they don't have the offensive line that Garrett had. Uh, well, the, right, that line sucks. I mean, right. Jones did throw the ball 41 times. That's a problem. All right, let's rank them real quick, though. Last oh, year's oh, – okay, go ahead. Say, Joe, I thought Joe Judge did a really good job. The team came out, like, the team came out prepared. What? Joe Judge did a good job. They came out prepared. They took a delay a game on fourth and one on the first <laughs> series. That's not prepared. Uh, they kicked a field goal on fourth and two from the two-yard line on their second series. Debo. <laughs> and then there was the uh, there's the wrong word i meant they, they came out too like, late they came out like they they felt like they were the the, the defenders were actually flying all over the place oh, and boy. tackling they did a good job defensively early on and they had like they didn't come out dead and flat like i thought they might breach continue they looked better than giants from last year and oh! you know what the, the one play that uh i think they talked about on the tv i don't uh, it was uh, Daniel Jones went back to pass. I think it was down when the ball was at the three yard line and it looked like he had an empty handed fumble and yeah. the giants recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. The giants can yeah, challenge Jones that, right? The giants can, but they didn't right? because the head coach who has the red challenge flag didn't throw it. <laughs> uh, all right. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, let's and breach. Uh, Brinson, you should let me ask this question before you, Pose that stupid thing about Joe Judge. I, dunked, I got dumped on multiple times. Yeah. So, all right, rank the quarterbacks you want. I mean, the first one's probably pretty easy from last year's draft class. We have uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, we have Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, and, and Drew Drew Locke. One through four. How are you ranking these guys after Kyler one? Murray's one? Easy. I think I'm taking Daniel Jones too. Really? Wait, who was the other option besides Jones, Haskins, and Murray? Dwayne uh, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Gardner Minshew, Mr. Draft Analyst. I was just going like the first the first four guys, but we can add Gardner Minshew in there. I think Minshew's up there. Well, he's a day three guy is my point. But, I mean, the draft, when they were drafted, we can add Minshew. That's fine. I mean, he's obviously playing well. All right, yeah, so Kyler's one, and we all uh, agree on that. Uh, Daniel Jones is number two for you, is that what you said? I think I would take Jones, too. I've been impressed by Daniel Jones. Who are you taking number two, Breach? Uh, Daniel Jones, but only because I don't have – I don't know enough about the other two Haskins and Locke. There's not a big enough – 
Like I would consider Drew Locke, but I don't know what he looks like over a 16 game season. Whereas I know that with Daniel Jones, I feel like uh, while they both, both have good weapons around them, good young weapons that are sort of ascending and all of that. Um, I feel like if you put Drew Locke on the Giants, that would be a problem. No, that's a good point. I think uh, you've actually sort of talked about it. If you put Daniel Jones on the Broncos, I can envision. And here's something that I think the problem with Drew, uh, with Daniel Jones for outsiders looking in is that we see Eli Manning, but he is so much more athletic than Eli Manning. He had a couple of good runs on Monday night, and I think he's going to do more of that. Yeah, Daniel Jones is number two. You guys want a Daniel Jones fun fact? That interception that he threw at the goal line, that was the first red zone interception of his career. Mm. Mm. That was a, that was I don't think Haskins is bad, by the way. The Eagles' defense is actually probably better than we gave him credit for. They played pretty well. Well, we were so worried about those eight sacks on the other yeah. side. Right. So they, they did, I saw somebody doing the numbers like Darius Slay completely locked down Terry McLaurin. And if you if you have a lockdown corner who shuts down Terry McLaurin, that's gonna be a problem for you. Have zero weapons left on that Washington team. It's like just feeding Steven Sims. Um, All right, so you're taking Dwayne Haskins three? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. They're all really close. Kyler Murray's a clear number one. Okay, Kyler Murray, no, yes, but I'm saying like Haskins, Lock, and right. Jones. I think are all very close. I like. I I think Jones to me is the pick. If we included Minshew, would you put him at number two? I think I put him at number. I put him at number three. Yeah, maybe three. I like Minshew. Uh, by the way, Juju Smith-Schuster, great recovery in that game. He's actually out of bounds and came back in. Yeah, you know the funny thing is on the replay I was watching, he sort of gave up on the block that allowed the the his blocker to strip sack the running back. But yeah, that's right. Great play by him. Yeah. Uh, and T.J. Watts' interception was incredibly athletic. You don't expect that from a defensive lineman. Just pop up, catch the ball with your hands. You know what it reminded me of? The time that J.J. Watt intercepted Andy Dalton in the playoffs. That's not funny. <laughs> Too far. I thought we agreed we wouldn't talk about that. Oh! I out. thought you were going to play that. He missed it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, okay. Did we cover everything from those two games? Those games are tough. It's a long Monday yeah. night. It's 2.30 in the morning. Week one's in the book. Ones of the book. Ryan, how bad is Zach Banner injury going to hurt the Steelers? It's a problem. Um, it's not great. They're they're thin there. They and they had to reach off with their offensive line. Um, Chucks was in the battle with with Zach Banner for that job, so I'm assuming he will step up. But yeah, you know, we'll see. And I just want to say that we went through three hours of that Giant Steelers game, and the ESPN cameras did not show Freddie Kitchens a single time. I was Ooh. highly disappointed. They did, however, show repeatedly. Jason Garrett. He got That's, way more airtime than Joe Judge. It was like he was the head coach. He's on the place. He wears he wears his glasses like my grandmother. All right. <laughs> let's get out of here. We're gonna take a break and when we come back. You can hear my conversation with the Long Brothers, Chris and Kyle Long. We'll talk some Eagles, Patriots, as well as some Miller Light after the break. All right, pumped to have the Long Brothers on here now with us. Uh Chris and oh my colleague, Kyle Long. Chris for mm. the podcast previously. Uh, Kyle, great job on uh, tops with. Uh, Thanks, bud. How was uh, was it? Was it fun? Was it? Do you? What is the? It was a lot different talking about football in a suit than being the guy talked about getting beat every Sunday. You guys are pretty good about being honest on social media and in general in life. Was it hard talking about like players? No, I mean because you're you're out of the game, so you can talk about whoever you want. But like you know, you don't want to be like you don't want to rip Mitch. Trubisky. And there's so much good stuff going on in the league that. 
it would be tough to just talk about negative things. So there's a million stories that you could cover of positive. Um, and I think I'll stick with those until I run out and then I'll start roasting my teammates. Smart, smart. I like it. Hey, Chris, you were tweeting about the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line and the Washington football mm. team defensive line. Speaking of negatives. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I yeah, I mean, it's wasn't, not a fun day at the office for Carson Wentz. No. He got, he got hit 14 times, sacked eight times. That's just tough. Watching that game, what, how would you weigh out what was more impactful? Was it, the, was it the Washington's defensive line or was it just the total injury is, issues that, that Philadelphia was dealing with? And I was just sort of like thinking about it long-term for the rest of the season, how much that's going to matter for each team. Well, coming into the game, when I thought Lane was healthy and you're already down two starting offensive linemen, I remember sharing with a buddy that they're one injury away from, like, it has hit the fan. And that injury, because Lane's not fully recovered from an ankle surgery in August, shocker. I mean, that's like – and they're kind of trying to get him to go and that sort of thing. Um, I, I think that spells disaster for them if they don't get this thing um, squared away soon. Six of those eight sacks were gimmies, essentially. And that's why I really respect the Washington D-line. I think they play extremely hard, and the sum of the parts are really great. Um, I don't see one player that, like, scares the hell out of me yet. That could be Chase Young. It could be Kerrigan. But, of course, they stuck him on the bench. All he has is 92 career sacks. Of course, he can't trot out with the starting lineup because he's old. Um, that's unreal. But – I do think that eventually this is a really scary unit. Yesterday was more of a function of the Eagles just not blocking people. People forget that this is the strength of their team on both sides of the ball and has been for the last few years. Chris was there in uh, Philly, and when we played them, they were a physical group up front defensively and a physical group up front offensively with the loss of Brandon Brooks. Chris talking about Lane, it is a perfect storm. And obviously in that division, they have gone and found some real pass rushers, uh, and they're collecting them in Washington. All right, I want to ask you about the, the Patriots as well, because I think what we might be seeing this season is, and we saw it, it sort of dovetails a little bit into what we saw Thursday night from Andy Reid, because the Chiefs come out and run, ran the crap out of the ball with Clyde over Tolaire and Daryl Williams. Do you think, Kyle, it's, it's sort of, we could see a move towards teams being simplified, power run, aggressive in the trenches early on in the season, just to kind of minimize the amount of mistakes that you could see on offenses? Well, Will, what you're seeing, and you see this in the playoffs, all the teams in the playoffs are teams that run the ball with great efficiency and with a physicality. Uh, San Francisco's quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, had one of the highest quarterback percent completion percentage on explosive plays last year, and that's a byproduct of running the ball. Teams are seeing this. And they're saying we have to run the ball because it opens up the back end. Yeah, I think so. I, I think maybe that's just a function of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being really good because he's the only guy so far this week over 100 yards rushing. Mm. Um, and I thought coming into Sunday, you know, we talk about gambling, and I do listen to the Pick 6 pod at times, so thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, we hit our podcast parlay. It, yeah. I, <laughs> did you hit it? it we I, hit it. I, I was looking actually- – I didn't actually bet it like a jackass. So. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I couldn't get my New Orleans and uh, Arizona bets in on time yesterday. I, I missed out on those two uh, that I had as locks. And then I had Josh Jacobs over, what was it, 88 yards or something. Because of what you're talking about, I'm thinking, and they did. They, they kicked the, the Carolina second-level defenders' asses, and, you know, they ran the ball with 
efficiency as Kyle talked about. But if there was any team I thought was going to go over 100 yards with a single rusher on Sunday, it was Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, and he didn't even get uh, the century mark. So I think I think part of it Thursday was rust. I, I don't think guys are real good at tackling in general, like that first, second, third, fourth preseason game as you get some reps. So I think we are going to see um, – we've got great backs in the league. Two of them just got paid, whatever you think about paying running backs. This is a year where the, the running back depth is is, uh, is serious. I mean, look at J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore. I think he could r- rush for 1,000 yards this year. I mean, I don't know if they think that's such a hot take with Mark being on the wrong side of 30 and looking at next year's situation, that sort of thing. So you're talking about number two backs in the league that could go for 1,000 yards. Um, that's a good sign for guys like Kyle in the run game. Yeah, and, and by the way, I took J.K. Dobbins preseason 98-1 to 1 to lead the league in rushing. I'm not I'm, – I, I love Ingram, it. I hope Mark Ingram is healthy and awesome, but, you know, like if J.K. Dobbins takes over and dominates, I'll, I'll live with it. Jonathan Taylor probably could do the same thing. What? Yeah. What, the one more consistent – speaking of consistency, we'll get you out on the, here on the – actually, you know what? Uh, i got to do my due diligence here. As you can see in the background here, I have a, uh, I have a Miller Lite can with a giant uh, – uh, just talk about Miller Lite. Miller that would be a cantenna, and it's Kyle knows the technics right. so, of it. I, the best beer on the on planet, the, what, Chris, a fine yeah. pilsner, and they have found a way to get even better. They sent us this Miller Lite cantenna, which you can get at MillerLiteCantenna.com which comes with an easy little plug-in and coaxial cable. I could figure it out yesterday. And I was watching TV with this thing for like an hour and a half before I had to go do some, uh, some homework for my job. But I was like, dude, Miller Lite makes beer and they make TV sets. So MillerLiteCantana.com. Chris, I'm sure you're fired up about it too. No, he said it. That's why I brought him along. He's the pitch man. <laughs> you know, I actually threatened. To, I told my wife I was going to put it next to our food dogs on our mantle, and she, she, she got she got pretty upset about that. So to tell me, I think that would pair nicely with food dogs. Right, exactly. I will say this about Miller Lite really quickly. And Miller Lite is, I, I when Miller Lite was the blue can, I didn't like it. And now that Miller Lite went back to the dad can from the eighties, I can't stop drinking it. We, I don't even remember the blue can. I, I phased out the blue can. I'm all about the white can. Like, th- like this, this is this as a father now, as a middle aged father, this makes me feel like I'm. I don't know if I. It makes me feel like I'm going to a triple A AAA baseball game every. No, like, like it's the most beautiful can. It's the most beautiful can. It just can meant out a there. whole lot to you. Yeah, like we're outside in the in the yard, like like pitch tossing pitch. I don't know, whatever it is. Like it just it makes me feel it makes me feel like I'm a like I'm a kid again who can now drink beer, which is kind well, of because everybody enjoys Miller time, and I think now with football we can all find a time to do it in our own homes and watch a little football because we can't go to the game. So enjoy the Miller like Cantana. All right, everybody, check out Miller Lite. Get the Cantana. Thanks to the Long Brothers. Sorry we had to cut it short. I blame actually I blame being a father. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> all right, well, good to see yeah. you. Yeah.